0: Hey, so this, Rebecca, this will be the official Thanksgiving episode of Meet the Pressers.
1: Oh, fun. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Gobble, gobble.
2: Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts... Hello, this is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and this is my esteemed co-host, Clint Macro, right here. We have an awesome guest on today and Clint's gonna take it away and introduce her.
0: Yeah, this is our our very special official Thanksgiving episode and what better person to have on the show but our friend Rebecca Schmoy who is the leader of One Million Moms Against Gun Control. So Rebecca, thanks for coming on the show.
3: Well, thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by... Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Sabre Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you.
0: What are your plans for Thanksgiving this year?
1: Actually, my family is going to go ahead and get together. We're gonna abide by all the precautions because we do have older members of our family. And um, but that really uh, virus has never stopped us before, whether it was the flu or a cold yeah. or whatever was the virus du jour of that year. And so we're going to go ahead and have family time because that's what we do. We're in rural Kansas and family is everything to us.
0: Amen. Amen. So has the Kansas governor imposed any, uh, like house arrest orders and, and limitations and restrictions apparently? <laughs>
1: Well, she is she's a bit on the tyrannical side, and oh, she geez. has tried repeatedly and failed repeatedly to try to get us to uh, limit what we're doing through mandates and things like that. and um fortunately, our uh, local authorities, our local sheriffs, and everything have refused to adhere to her mandates. They said that they won't. Uh, Go and arrest anybody. Nobody's going to be knocking down doors and stealing Dang. your uh, Thanksgiving turkey. So we're all good to go.
0: That's awesome. So, so how have the uh, the mandates from your governor affected your your state's uh, economy?
1: Actually, uh, the economy here in small town Kansas was almost obliterated when she shut everything down originally. We had to fight to get uh, the local communities' control back. We eventually got it to where um, her mandates were not statewide anymore, that the local counties had control again. Unfortunately, that means that some counties are doing better than others. And of course, private businesses get to make up their own rules. So if a private business is in a county that does it, that they are adhering to the mask mandates and all of the protocols and the keeping shut down, that's that's their business. And if their business suffers from that, then that's a decision that they made. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, if you have decided that you are not going to enforce the mask wearing, um, we've seen quite the boom as far as people seeking out those businesses that leave it up to the customer to be in charge of their own health. And so they they tend to get a pretty good financial response from those of us in rural Kansas.
0: Good, voting with the pocketbook, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So- so I see
2: a uh, news article here. Governor Kelly dismisses rumors of plans for COVID lockdown on Kansas businesses. That's uh, November 14th that that came out. She looks literally looks like she's got the mask like up to here. Oh, in, the, yeah. in the picture, like she's really like she's loving that mask, man. She's like Practic- sw-
0: practicing for Sharia law, right? She, yeah, she's fully
2: swimming in that thing.
1: She is. um, The mask, as far as I'm concerned, I don't speak for Million Moms on this, and I don't speak for anybody else on this, but as far as I'm concerned personally, the mask is a cloth virtue signal, and it's the easiest thing since all of the celebrities with their uh, picture (laughs) with their written words This is even easier and anybody can access it. All you have to do is strap a piece of cloth to your face and walk out your front door and you are trying to signal to everyone else that you are better, that you will care more and that uh, anyone who doesn't adhere to your opinions is just not as good as you. And so it's, it's the easiest virtue signal that we have faced so far. And it's gonna be really hard to get past that because people have learned how easy this is yeah. so it's going to be interesting and unfortunately governor kelly is going home on it it's like
2: wearing pants you know if you don't wear pants you get in trouble you know that's kind of we're going we're going forward in, in that you
0: know? I, I think it's a test run to see exactly how far they can take it and they can use the data on this there's tons of data we can look at different laws laws that were adhered to laws that were not laws they were edicts what did people pay attention to how did the will of the politicians actually affect the lives of the of these citizens and this will help them later on i say them folks that are looking to be kind of tyrannical like government Mm -hmm.
1: Government mm-hmm
2: most certainly it's it's that uh, litmus test that matrix that they're putting together so I had somebody tell me one time, they said uh, the mask is kind of like wearing pants. This gets us going back to pants here. I guess I got a fetish with pants today. But um <laughs> if you if you don't have pants on and you pee, you might pee on somebody. If you have pants on and you pee, you pee on yourself and vice versa. And then they're like, so it's the same with a mask. If you have a mask on, right? I don't know, I, I that that's probably the, closest thing i could think to be maybe reasonable or common sense i don't
0: know well i mean you know that 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 argument loses water when you look at the efficacy of the actual mask itself like things still get through it like Mm -hmm. if you've ever wore a mask and did drywall like a lot of stuff still gets in there you know, now there certainly may be masks that are that are kind of we'll yeah, say bulletproof for 95, of term, but, but like ninety-five stuff like But someone taking an old t-shirt sleeve and putting rubber bands to it is not going to, to stop someone from potentially getting a disease from another person, provided that they're inside like two arms reach proximity, or we'll bring it back to gun training, right? Yeah. You know, so the biggest things people can do if is I you know, I get the social distancing, it's not actually social, it's very antisocial. But the physical distancing does that make some sense? You know, when when you come to someone now, it's like you go like, are are you a shaker? Are you a bumper? Are you an elbow person? Or do we just kind of bow like the Japanese, yeah, right? right? So you know, keeping, like distance, <laughs> keeping distance, keeping <laughs> distance off one of that makes sense. You know, you remember we did an episode uh, on COVID earlier on, and we had uh, we had Grant Gallagher, who's yep. an epidemiologist, and and you know some of the things that we have suggested. You know, of course, I came out with some standards for instructors with COVID. Some of the things that we had suggested are based on on actual science, not just the, Here's yeah here, it's based on actual science, not just the edicts of someone pretending to be somebody else, meaning like our Secretary of Health in Pennsylvania. Someone actually accused me of being a science denier, and I said, yeah, but you're going to tell me that, and you're going to pretend that our Secretary of Health is a female. Hmm. Talk about science denier, right? I went off in a rabbit hole there. I chased the rabbit.
2: Oh, that's interesting. That's a good point. It's for what's benefits them, just like the election. You know, you've got, in in one sense, they're like, oh, Hillary won, Hillary won, the election's rigged, people cheated. And then it happens now when we have mail-in votes, which we didn't back when Hillary and and Trump ran. And now they're like, oh, no, it was the most fairest election ever. It's the most secure election ever. Huh?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Lose your job, buddy. Yeah, pay no attention
2: see. to the man behind the curtain.
1: <laughs> I like the Kansas reference there.
0: Good Kansas. <laughs> That's reference. right. See now, you think we're a lot more clever than we are. <laughs> that just kind of happened. It just happened. <laughs> I was but, you trying know, to get
1: credit.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, the New York reference too. Did you know uh, Frank Albom here
0: in uh, K- in New York? Oh, really? Are you oh. you're like ten miles away from his birth homestead or something? Yep. Um, fifteen. But yeah, about that. You're 15 miles away from a lot of homesteads. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of stuff around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Hillary or
0: uh, Hillary <laughs> Harriet Tubman—two definitely different people. There, true, very true. Yeah, very
2: true.
0: yeah. So, uh, what's what's the status of of Kansas when it came to the election here? Everything certified, and is there any? But is there any controversy, or is there anything going on with the election in Kansas?
1: Really, there's no controversy um, so long as you are a constitutional conservative Republican, Um, we actually did quite well uh, as far as securing seats. We already had a supermajority in our legislature so that um, if the governor decided to do something that is against our Constitution, whether it's federal or Kansas, we could override with a veto. And so we actually picked up more seats Uh, right now in Kansas. We have 87 of the 125 House seats and we have 29 of the 40 Senate seats. And so uh, basically, whatever she tries to do, we can keep in check, which is the way it's supposed to be. And it makes my job a little easier. But right now, what we're focused on is trying to educate our legislatures. So if it comes to gun rights or um, training and things like that, then it's our job now to make sure that the people who do fill the seats actually know what the laws are. And they know how regular citizens, their constituents are exercising them and what they're doing as far as training and things like that so that they can better represent us. So it's it's a good time in Kansas, except for
2: the governor. <laughs> yeah, we uh, in New York it's not so uh, not so good. We actually just got the Democrats just got supermajority, or I think they're right on the cusp of getting it, uh, which actually could be a benefit because then you have them eating their own because the governor, if they mm-hmm. don't want the governor to be, because the governor actually treats them pretty crappy too, treats Republicans even worse. Like we don't want you in our state leave. He's actually said that publicly, not uh, verbatim yeah. those words, but but then we've got him treating the the democrats in the the house and assembly pretty bad. So I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping that they come back and start vetoing his stuff just for retribution and they just the whole house burns down with all of them in it.
1: It's easier to rally the troops if you've got an enemy in, you know, in a position of power over you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little easier to get the constituents, the everyday people that make up your state involved if they're involved for a reason. And mm-hmm. that sounds like a really good reason to get involved.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we saw this when, when Trump was elected in, in 16, Yeah. you know, people were very political. Well, I think pretty darn politically active prior to that in the gun world. And then when Trump won, there was like a, a sigh of relief and a lot of people kind of got, we call it Trump apathy. Right. I mean, I, I yeah. I'm sure you saw this, Matt, my, my enrollments in classes went down a little bit. Gun sales went down a little bit, getting people to show up for pro two way rallies and stuff like that went down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, there is something to be said. If we have an enemy, then people will, will, uh, you know, rally up a little bit more, more uh, in numbers. And And then COVID hit
2: and then COVID hit and then the riots happened and things just went through the roof. But I was, I was surprised that when, uh, when it looked like Biden won, which I still don't, Fully believe um <clears throat> that, <laughs> that you're, a, you're a math denier Matt. Uh, I'm sorry man I, I'm you know I'm in the technology industry trust me I I I believe that things can be hacked and whatnot. My card got scammed. Somebody I think they did a one of those little swipe thingies in the ATM machine and oh, yeah. somebody ran up like yeah. a grant a grand on my credit card. Anyway I work
1: girl. for a bank in my nine to five I, I work at a bank mm. and every day we see fraud every single day. That doesn't mean that every one of our customers is committing fraud. It means that every one of our customers is susceptible Mm. to fraud. Mm -hmm. So getting people to understand that fraud, whether it's at your local bank or whatever elections, that doesn't mean that everyone is to blame. Mm -hmm. It just means that you have to understand that there are people out there that do this for a living and you need to be aware of it and you need to know how to stop that from happening to you whether it's you personally or in your state or whatever it is. So it's it's been interesting watching everybody deny the fact that fraud exists.
2: Domin- <laughs> so Dominion software. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh well, I God. don't know if you guys have been paying attention to current events but here in Pennsylvania we've we've had a little bit of controversy with the with the voting count. <laughs> <laughs> a bit. Just a little so- a one thing that i think people need, one thing people need to recognize is and you know this is just something to kind of ruminate over but if you look at our down ballot candidates we talk about our our state senators we talk about our our state assembly people who have mm-hmm. who ran pro gun which generally speaking in this election were republicans Uh, Now, of course, you know, like I've talked about Senator Jim Brewster here in Pennsylvania, who's a who's a Democrat, and he's definitely one of our biggest uh, guns or pro gun supporters. He's got like an A plus rating with firearms owners against crime. But generally speaking, the pro gun people are Democrats or I'm sorry, Republicans in Pennsylvania. And we did very well with pro gun people down ballot. I mean, very well, we even picked up a few seats in the House and I believe in the Senate. Nice. And with that said, if there was this landslide blue wave that was supposed to happen, right, why didn't it affect those down ballot candidates? Bingo, yeah. why didn't it? you know and if you look at those uh, those amazing like three in the morning spike of, of uh, mm. votes that came in Sickening. here in Pennsylvania they affected the uh, presidential campaign and they affected uh, Connor Lamb's campaign uh, who was running against John Purnell. And it also affected the attorney general, who some say the attorney general here in Pennsylvania is the guy that's going to run for governor after Wolf is out in two years. Interesting. Very interesting. So, yeah. you know, whatever that's worth. Those of you with a brain, you know, look into it yourself. And if they... I only had a brain.
1: Again, Kansas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. See, you did it again, Matt.
1: I know. You're, you're, you're really. The today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: on it Vegas. Really So a a lot of our viewers may or may not know One Million Moms Against Gun Control. Could you go ahead and just kind of tell us the story of how you became involved with that organization and and what its mission is?
1: All right. Um, Really, after Sandy Hook hit and everybody was devastated and it it was just such a surreal experience. And then the anti-rights moms came on scene, Uh, the nagtivist mommies in their red shirts, Shannon Watts led, Bloomberg funded, came out and said that they spoke for all mothers. And then there were moms like myself across the nation who realized, no, you don't speak for me. I believe that my kids are safest when I can actively keep them safe. Hmm. And so I went looking for other moms such as myself who actually understood what gun safety is and uh, I found I stumbled upon the group One Million Moms Against Gun Control on Facebook and so I started reading and started kind of getting to know the ladies that were involved and uh, the lady that actually founded the group is Heather Marchese And she has since uh, had some other life events happen and she has stepped aside and Mary Callison and I have kind of picked up the reins and been running it for several years. And what the mission of One Million Moms Against Gun Control is, is that we try to be um, kind of the middleman liaison between people who need help, they need direction, whether it's for training or what the laws are in their state, or if they don't like the laws, how to go about changing those and who to contact. And um, we pair them up with the people who we have built relationships with, established kind of a network of in every state. Uh, We can usually get it down to within um, a couple counties from where the person is that needs the training, and we can find them somewhere, someone who has been vetted (laughs) by people that we know and trust, that we can get them in and get them what they need. As far as getting people actively involved, we try our best to educate and engage with uh, women to let them know that they're not alone in their thinking of, I need to be able to protect myself. I need to be able to protect my kids. And so we try to bring as many of those women in and get them in the position of getting good, solid training as we can, because you won't protect your second until it matters to you. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get more people involved in protecting their rights, It's kind of our mission to let them know that they have rights to begin with and then get them actively involved in exercising them.
0: Excellent. Awesome. That's a righteous mission. Definitely.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's, I mean, we've talked about kind of the election fatigue and stuff like that. And um, we go through that. uh, All Second Amendment advocacy groups go through fatigue whenever it comes to um trying to get people involved and hitting the brick wall. And so Mary and I have been active and daily setting people up with with opportunities for education for a number of years now for I think we're going on 8 years of doing this daily just volunteering our time and our own money and resources and we are happy to do it. And it's even with the little lags in motivation from time to time, we always talk to each other and talk to the other second amendment advocates out there and realize, okay, this is this is important. This isn't about us. It's not about today. This is about leaving our kids and our kids' kids mm-hmm the rights that we enjoy. And it's about regaining rights in some states and it's about retaining rights in others. And so we just rally ourselves and rally with our other second amendment friends and get back to work.
0: Yeah, but you know know what sucks? Come turkey season, when I'm on the other side of this hillside trying to uh, harvest one of these animals, (laughs) they will be nowhere in sight. They'll be laughing at you. Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman talks about how denial kills us many ways. He's been on the show, but if anyone has ever seen one of his sheepdog, uh, sheepdog seminars, like I, I can't imagine how defeated I would be if I was in a situation where I could have used it to help me or help my family and not have it. So, you know, when, when we do take on that responsibility to be our own family first responder, that is a responsibility and we need to be disciplined and safety is not convenient a lot of the times, man. It is, it's literally a pain in the back or the butt to carry a gun every day, but <laughs> if you choose to do it, you, you got to be consistent. Consistency, you know, breeds success in that case. So yeah, with that do. said, are you, are you willing to discuss your, you know, your everyday carry kind of thing?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see.
1: I have the privilege of being able to, um, adapt what I'm wearing as, as a woman uh, around what I'm carrying. And so that also means that I have the necessity of adapting how I carry around what I'm wearing, (laughs) depending on the situation. And so it's been great um, over the last eight years or so. um, The advancements in options for women carry have been astounding. Um, We've got everything from you know, belly bands and regular holsters that clip onto belts and things like that, all the way through. You've got corsets and different contraptions that you can wear. You've got purse carry, you've got bra whatever.
2: holster. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so, um my personal preference is I actually like the good old standard belly band. um I can position in any position. I carry a 3P, a Sig P365. And, um, if I'm not in a situation or, I mean, quite frankly, if it's summertime and it's hot and I don't want to wear the belly band because it's hot, then I really just go with a Kydex holster. I have, um, several to pick from. Um, I was just at an event where we got these, uh, it's uh, brand eclipse holsters and it's been phenomenal for whatever I've used that one. And I, I carry as often and as religiously as I can. So it's just become part of the getting ready process for me and my kids, since I've always lived this way. Um, even before Sandy Hook, guns were just part of our daily life. And so as my kids have grown up, they have learned um, just like you train them how to cross the street, just like you train them not to touch a stove, just like you train them who is appropriate to talk to in public and you know who to just kind of avoid. Stranger <laughs> you know, danger. I, Then I also trained my kids that when they come up and they grab a hold of mom or they give me a hug in public or something, that they don't react to what I'm carrying, uh, wherever it is that I'm carrying. And so, uh, <laughs> my kids, we would practice at home, they would run up and they would give me a hug and they would purposely put their hand on where I was carrying so that they could get used to that. So that when we were in public, if they ran over and grabbed a hold of me or something, then they wouldn't go, oh, oh, what's that? Or, oh, you're carrying or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was really important to me that being concealed actually means concealed. Concealed, So I didn't need them to be inadvertently and accidentally giving away the fact that I was prepared to protect us. And so it was just, it's been an adventure (laughs) and it's, it's been a lot of training, but that's life in general. When you're a mom, you're constantly mm-hmm. training your kids on something. Mm-hmm. That was just part of it.
2: It's funny. Yeah. The other day, our uh, our daughter knew she's four. She'll be five next month. Uh, she knew her left from her right. My wife goes, "How the heck you? How how did you? I didn't teach you that. How do you know your left from your right?" And daddy taught me. You know, <laughs> and, and we're just outside, and I'm just like, "Okay, go to your left." And she starts going, and I'm like, "Nope, your other left." She goes that way, and, <laughs> and then eventually she just, you know, she just hey, look to your left. And she'd start looking to her left. Yep. Just knew I didn't have to teach her the, you know, L means left kind of thing.
0: I, I still have to use that myself. Sometimes I, I, I have to
2: I've agree. seen you do it.
1: <laughs> I am all my kids, right? They're all dominant right handed. And so we in our house, I just said, you write with your right, the one that's left is left. And so that they always think about what their dominant hand is whenever they're trying to figure out their
0: right from their left. Yeah. It's interesting. You talked about how the kids, like they, they know where the gear is when they give you a hug. My son would hit his head on my mag pouches when he'd run up and give me a hug. Right. And, and so now, I mean, he's, he's almost as tall as I am now, but when he hugs me, he kind of pulls his body away and kind of hugs yep. this way. Cause he knows I always have, have something on me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, training kids, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Adults, a lot of parents are really not sure how to breach the subject of personal defense and, of course, carrying the hardware and stuff with their kids, but I think the the key is to get them involved and take away the taboo and talk about it. I had an article come out on Personal Defense Network about things that I did with Augie, my son, on how to make him that next generation first responder and and talk about the the predator behavior and the unpleasant things that we want our kids to avoid. But we'd be setting them up for a fail if we didn't breach that somehow. So if folks want to check that article out, it's on my library page uh, on Trigger Pressers Union where they can see it on Personal Defense Network. It's not like this is how you should train your kid, but it's some things that I had done that seemed to work real well for me. But I think we need to be very open and upfront with that, with with our children, and not make it this thing like, "Oh, don't touch that," because if you do that, they're most likely going to want to touch it and and yep. see it. Whereas if we kind of remove that stigma, that's and a part yeah. of just life. Uh, they're going to be more apt to get the education and not get the fear.
2: That's a boy altogether, right? Don't touch this. They walk out of the room. It's like, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, so so that brings a good point when we talk about. The NRA's uh, don't touch, leave the area, tell a responsible adult. Right? Um, I always like to take it to the next step, and I know you do too, too as well, Clint. Take it to a next step and tell them. You know, muzzle trigger discipline, teach them about gun safety. Because the analogy I'll use with my students is, you can tell your kids not to touch it, and they may or they may not but you can't control your kid's friends and whether they touch a gun or not. So if your kid's friend picks up a gun and points it at your kid and has a finger on their finger on the trigger, you want your kid to know that that could kill them. And they should probably step to the side and say, don't point that at me. But if they don't know any better then right, it could be bad.
1: Uh, I talk about that all the time. Um, One of the reasons why I was so adamant about training my own kids and why I work so hard to get people to get their kids in uh, gun safety, firearm safety, even if you don't own guns mm-hmm. you're setting your kids up for failure and possibly yes. death if you don't teach them how to be safe with a gun mm-hmm. so true. that they can understand if someone's being unsafe around them. Well so we teach them like I said we teach them how not to touch a stove. we teach them how to cross a street. you mm-hmm. need to teach them how to be safe. And how to keep themselves safe. And that's something that so many parents miss. They think, well, I don't have a gun in my home. I'm never going to have a gun in my home. Well, your kid's not always going to be in Mm -hmm. your home. Exactly. Or you may eventually have someone in your home who has a gun. So Mm -hmm. either way, you you can't protect them when you're not with them. And you have to teach them. That's part of parenting. You Mm -hmm. have to teach them to do for themselves. And so it's it's really been a mission of mine um really as far back as I can remember to preach and teach safety. It's it's imperative if we want our kids to have good lives that we set them up to have good lives.
2: You know uh the the mindset of cont- uh, relating the known to the unknown. Clint and I do this as a lot as, in- as instructors and the one thing that a lot of us do is drive vehicles or around vehicles vehicles are everywhere so that that thought process you could tell the kid don't drive the car you know don't touch the car the car is dangerous it's you know it's a tool but you got to know how to use the tool so don't touch it and you leave it at that well that doesn't mean a car is not going to run them over in the middle of the street right so you got to teach them to not walk in the middle of the street (laughs) not being not being the muzzle of that car right
0: well, and as gun owners, too, you know, we we know if you're a gun owner of kids, you do have a gun in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when you think about a power outlet, well, we shield the kid from the power outlet. We put the little plastic doodads in there to cover it up. And it's there for a while. But it's not that we don't want them to stay away from power outlets forever. Mm-hmm. They reach a certain point in time in their childhood. When we say yes, they are ready to know this. They're right. ready to have the responsibility to treat this thing with respect. And then you teach them about the power outlet. And then yeah. before you know it, they're plugging in their radio or whatever kids play with this day and age into the power outlet, right? Yeah, because we educated them, right? Yeah. So you can't you can't put an age range on maturity. You know, I mentioned this before. I've, mm-hmm. I've had to disarm 55-year-old men on the firing line, and I've had literally seven-year-olds handle a rifle with impeccable safety in a youth rifle program. So it, it's all about education. When we can educate people, and this goes with your organization too, if we can educate them and give them the tools that they need to be able to exercise their rights, then the world is a better place.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, we also, Mary and I also do work with the DC project. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the DC project is educate, not legislate. Mm -hmm. If we would all take more time on the education part of it, we would be fighting much less legislation. Mm-hmm. And so it's it really is imperative, whether you're educating your kids or you're educating your peers or whether you're educating someone that is an elected official, an elected representative of yours, it all comes down to education.
0: So thanks for coming on the show. If you could just tell our viewers how they can get in touch with you or learn more about your organization.
1: Sure. Um, I think we're all diversifying right now. So if it's social media, I'm either already on it or I am slowly but surely getting on there. And you can look me up personally with uh, Rebecca Schmoy and then um, see 1 Million Moms you can find at 1MMAGC.org and the DC Project is DCProject.info.
0: All right. Excellent. Awesome having you on. Yeah. Awesome having you on. And I wish you and your family a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you next time. Likewise.
1: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving guys.
2: There's
0: lots of sponsors
2: that make this show possible. Like mountain man medical, check them out and give them your business.
3: This episode is brought to you by mountain man medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you!
0: Thanks for watching or listening to our
2: show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click that little bell thingy so you know when the next episode's uploaded. Support us on Patreon. Come to one of our classes. Host us to come to you and do one of our classes at your location. And until next time. Adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.